Hey, friends, I'm not trying to hassle you. I'm just saying if it's been a minute since you donated to Forward Radio, the damn thing doesn't pay for itself. Welcome to Critical Thinking for Everyone! Oh. <laughs> wow. Welcome, everyone. That Wow, look at the... Um, that you call that a sound wave. Look at the sound wave on the screen from that. You have practically just covered the whole thing there. No, right? well, that's the thing is that sometimes there's just one long, totally dense wave. And sometimes you can really see, like, sometimes you can look at the wave and you can go, ah, Patty's talking. Or sometimes you can let him go, look, Brian yelled again. Or anyway, nobody cares. This is Critical Thinking for Everyone. We are here to waste your next 58 and a half minutes. Waste... You say waste, but I say enrich your life. And I say I am not the only one who says waste, but I do want to give a solid shout-out to Starbucks, and maybe it is too early in the show. Maybe, I mean, if Starbucks feels like they want to pay me, maybe we can, you know, work on adjusting the timing, but we absolutely cannot advertise for Starbucks. So all you advertising censors out there who are ready to shut us down and fine us, it's not that. It's just to say, hey, thanks for listening to the show. Because you've got some Starbucks fans. All you cool Starbucks employees who know what my drink is when I roll up there at the Starbucks at DuPont, fully they, appreciate they you. you there, are you there every single morning? Not every single but morning. Most? I'm there an awful lot. And, uh, you know, conspicuous consumption. Let's hear from you on the Facebook page <laughs> if you want to call me out for poor critical thinking. But I do want to thank the Starbucks folks for just passing this thing around. I'm not saying you should go from... Go from yeah. To drink Starbucks, but I am saying I'm drinking it right now. Well, take that, censors. <laughs> I'll see you in court. Well, we love that there's fans. Thank you, Starbucks. Employees. Any fans? That's the Any thing. Fans. We're just saying thanks for the fans. Yeah, thanks Good for the God. fans. Um, drink and what you want. This highly caffeinated young man next to me is Brian Barnes. And you are kind with your assessment, young lady. <laughs> so my name is Brian Barnes, and I am here to bring you the critical thinking gospel, whatever that looks like. Yeah, and I am Patty Payette. She is Patty Payette, I can confirm. And we have been doing this show together for uh, three plus years. That's right. And we are all about, let's tell people in a nutshell, what, you know, what is this show about in a nutshell, okay? Well, do you want to give your nutshell first? Because you know nutshell. I'm going to come up with something ridiculous. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It might be outside the nutshell. In a nutshell, <laughs> I would say this show is about making the concepts and tools of critical thinking fun, accessible, and interesting for everyday use and the everyday listener. I, I concur. I mean, I have no problem What's with that. What's your nutshell? You can't. No, no, no. You can't have me go first and then just be like, good one. I can't top that. Well, I'm not saying I can't top it. I'm just saying, why would you want to top it? Like, that's that's perfectly fine the way it is. It's sort of like when you get the Sunday and you go, ah, but where is that cherry? And everybody goes, who gives a crap about the cherry? What's wrong with you? Anyway, the. Um, You're stalling. <laughs> I'm not. I could be. What's the nutshell? What is this show I'm about? Try, I, maybe I am stalling. I'm trying to make it, um, you know, family friendly. Yeah. 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 We are trying to help you figure out what the tools are that you can use in your own mind to cut through the nonsense that uh, is literally everywhere okay in all sorts of forms because so much of this stuff is isolated to the ivory tower and a bunch of nerds 
my co-host and I included. Yes. And so we want to bring this stuff to the people. And it's not like it's, this is not an elitist thing. It's not like the wealthy care. They've already snowed everybody, right? What we're trying to do is bring good thinking practices for everybody, for every kind of thinking. It's for everyone. Okay. That was three nutshells, but you for nailed sure, it. For sure, that was half you a bush. Nailed, yeah, yeah, you nailed it. Very good. Thank you. So part of what we do each time is we bring content and we bring this academic stuff and we yeah. have fun with it and play with it and we help do. it make it feel that this is something you can use in your life. We do. We do. And uh, we want you guys to reach out to us on Facebook at Critical Thinking for Everyone if you think you have something to contribute or yeah. if you think we need direction or if you think we're missing something. Ah, these guys didn't even talk about the relationship with the Fibonacci sequence or whatever it is that you're pet thing is, reach out to us and we'll be happy to, to yeah, comment. Tell me what that is. Well, so. yeah, we'll wait for the We'll wait for the Yeah, for sure, for the listener. We are on SoundCloud. Yes, yeah, so you could be listening to this on Forward Radio 106.5 FM. That is a possibility. That would be three different opportunities a week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's right. You could be listening, yeah, to this show airing on one of our slots in the week on Forward Radio, or you could be listening on the fluffy SoundCloud. Right, or the fluffy uh, iTunes. Or the fluffy iTunes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think those are the only two that yeah, we have. Yeah, iTunes doesn't sound as fluffy as SoundCloud. <laughs> I mean, typically. But yeah. but definitely, if you're uh, if you're out there on 106.5, if we're catching you on your car radio while you're rolling around on your way to get some, uh, you know, some pizza or whatever you're into, this is absolutely uh, on the radio at 5 p.m. on Thursdays and midnight on Thursdays and again 11 a.m. All of these are perfectly acceptable pizza times, by the way. Yeah. If you're looking for some sort of support. Yeah. Friends, we are here for you. Whether it's coffee or pizza. <laughs> Patty brought in some strawberries. My God. I brought God. in some. I brought in some pound cake. Pound cake. The pound the, cake might be a little much, frankly, for the show. I mean, I feel like I have to pace myself. And uh, cherry tomatoes. Jeez, are these all from I your know. garden? This one's from my CSA. This one is from uh, Kroger and that pound cake I made. So. All right. So let's have a moment of self-reflective conversation here for our listeners. OMG. No, no, no. This is the kind of stuff that we care about because it's supposed to be critical thinking for everyone. Yep. Okay. Tell us. So critical thinking for us, among other things, is thinking about your thinking and analyzing thinking, whether it's your thinking yeah. or some other thinking. And mm-hmm. when we talk about analyzing thinking, or if we talk about thinking about your thinking, we absolutely talk about breaking the thinking into parts so that we can uh, so that we can get a better sense of what the thinking is and how to improve it, if it even needs improvement, which it might not need. Mm. So given that introduction yes. to critical thinking or yes. whatever... What would you say about your thinking with regard to these three choices, with regard to your garden subscription, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then this one My is from the from Kroger. Kroger, which is right. not a subscription, but you go for, and then the pound cake that you made. And Can you tell us about the thinking? I mean, these are all choices you made, right? You know what? It's so funny. You should ask me that. Is it funny? I mean, we are, we are on a thinking show. It is funny you should ask me that because, you know, each of these represents the knee-deep seasonal produce that we are in right now because do you want to know what's in that pound cake? I'll tell you what. 
It's what? not. It's not little pound cakes grown on a vine. No. Okay. You know what? Oh, bring that over here. You know what's in there? What's up, pound cake? It is a summer squash. Are you all getting the reverb? I'm feeling the echo. Summer squash cake. It's like here. zucchini you bread. Put a, but it's summer squash. You put a vegetable in this? Yeah. What the yeah, hell? Taste it. Yeah. You can't. No, tell. I have tasted it. Maybe yeah. that's what makes it so flat. Maybe it needs what? a. Yeah, it's flat. Is it? Well, only from the point of view of it's not spicy. No, it's not spicy. So like a it's zucchini. It's rich and like a creamy kind of thing. Oh, it's totally creamy. Yeah. How do you get that? Is that from cream? That's from the little sour cream and okay. um, summer squash. And I think it could have used a little more vanilla maybe. Um, oh, I don't know. But, maybe the squash but, just dominates Yeah. It. So each the strawberries and the cherry tomatoes and the summer squash that went into this pound cake. Well, this is a, quite a creamy cake. What I want to know is, good? yeah, yeah. I def- well, what I want to know is, with regard to this cake, yeah. is there anything else in here that we should be concerned about? Like, is, is this an allergen problem, this cake? No. Oh. Mm-mm. No. It's pretty basic. Well, I don't know. I mean, so this is – so how does this relate to thinking? This, this, is, this is my point. Okay, All right. This is how it relates. All right. Is everything that I brought is because it's what's in abundant in the season right now. Okay. 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 So I – my CSA keeps giving me all this summer squash, which it's like way more than I could just grill up and eat. So I needed a recipe to do something with it. Okay. Okay. And that's okay. how I came and up with this. And this is how you came cake. up with this. All right. Yeah. Well, actually, my cousin Sharon, thank you. Shout thank out to you, her. Sharon. She's a fan and listener. She does like she the had show. had that recipe, and yeah. I also put it on Facebook. And then, um, and the other thing, the reason I have the cherry tomatoes and the strawberries mm-hmm. is because I have been trying not to snack badly. I've been trying to snack well. And I've been trying to snack better. And How's so that pound cake reason. for the snack? Is that well, a good? Well, no, I'm, you notice you're eating that, not me. Oh, I see. <laughs> you trapped me again. I brought it into work mm-hmm. because I was like, I want to use the summer squash, but there's no way I want to eat this whole pound cake. So I'm okay. just going to take it into work and share it with the masses. Okay. Well, that sounds so. good. Um, so when we're thinking so. about seasonal eating, yeah. all of these are, are part of it. Yeah, exactly. As Tell me about some economic thinking. Do you have any? I mean, you seems seems luxurious to get a a monthly subscription food box. Seems a little. No, it's bit, weekly. Seems, oh my God! How <laughs> fancy! Okay, weekly so food CSA, box. We have to tell. No, it's a CSA, a food box. This no, is, it's a CSA. I have gone to pick this up for you, and you've been on vacation. Actually, it's a food box. Okay, but guess what? I found out last week when uh-huh, I went, and uh-huh, I saw a friend there. Uh-huh. I was. She was. We both got our boxes, and as we're leaving, she walks over to this tree, and she pulls out a bag, and she opens the box and starts. Transferring it into the bag, leaving the box with the farmers. Uh-huh. So, in other words, uh-huh. she's just getting the box to have the stuff in it, and then she's leaving the box with them to be reused or recycled or composted. I'll keep that in mind you for see? next time. Yeah. You see, I didn't even know that was an option. No, I didn't either, but I still can, can I continue to assert that it is, in fact, regardless of whether you put it in a bag or not, it's a food box. A food box, okay. Which seems ostentatious for the rest of us plebeians going to Kroger and getting our own food. And you can't say, "Well, I do that too." You do that to supplement your luxurious food All right. box. Well, let me just be clear Weekly what a CSA food is. Box. Okay, let's be clear what a CSA is. Is it organic? Uh, yes. Weekly organic? Yes. This is so okay. luxurious. I can't even. Okay. Now, a CSA. Where's your toga? Stop. A CSA stands for Community Supported 
agriculture. Okay. Right? Yeah. And so what that means is Bar Farms, which is the um, CSA, that's the farm that I uh, connect with or uh-huh. I subscribe to. Yeah, right? yeah. They're right. in Indiana. Yep. Shout out to Adam and Ray, who are the couple and their family that run this, a family-run farm. All right. And so you sign, I, I signed up. Okay. And um, along with a bunch of other people, and then- from May through October, it's a really long stretch. Um, I pay weekly to get a selection of their fresh organic produce, which then supports their farm. And remember, we talked about the whole thing about plastic bags, right? Yeah. It's not just about not using plastic bags at the store. It's yeah. about what you put in them and in in getting your food locally, right, cuts down on the carbon footprint. So this is part of your local thing? Part of my local thing. Okay. And um, it forces me to do, like, I get all the summer squash, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? You know, I have to use it. It also makes me be creative with the produce that I do get from that. Well, that's fair. That's fair. It still sounds a little luxurious. It's not really luxurious. It's not though. I think of it as I don't know that I I don't I wouldn't use the word luxury. It's not caviar and Perrier. Well, hold know. on, but I mean we all have luxuries. I mean this is a sort of thing where if a person had to start cutting their budget, this would go first. Is that right, or is this I a thing that goes very, later? I think it's very economical. It's very core. Yes, economically. it's very economical. Why okay. don't you have a CSA? I've had them in sustainability. No, no, no. I've had them in the past. You I have? usually just go pick stuff off the bushes. That's how I roll. Eat the you know, <laughs> chew on the twigs. OMG. And I just got the weather you, in addition to the my news. Bees. By to make way. honey, it, and then well, you know, exactly, of course, <laughs> I just of lick course. it right off the honey. What do you do? <laughs> Jeez, savage! That's exactly what we do here at Critical Thing for Everyone. We're, we're bringing the honeycomb next week. Oh man, it's all the buzz. Okay, now very funny. Thank okay, you. now folks, in case you're wondering if this show's just us babbling about whatever's sitting in front of us on the in the booth here, mostly. Sometimes it is for sure. I'll be honest, but today's some show... some of the best 13 minutes of your life <laughs> if you'll just let it hit you. <laughs> This show, actually, I want to talk about my favorite turtleneck-wearing scientist. <laughs> I love that guy. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? Leonard Nimoy. No. <laughs> no, he just plays. No, it's that he Bones, it's the Bones on, guy. He plays that one on TV. It's the McCoy Bones guy. No, yeah. Carl Sagan, Carl the late Sagan. Carl Sagan, who, okay. man, every time, every other time I see a photo of him, he's rocking a turtleneck. I mean, he was like Mr. Oh, for sure. I think in the turtleneck. 70s and the was 60s. Like a thing. I think, yeah. yeah, I think that was pretty, pretty sophisticated, yeah. the turtleneck. So I want to talk about Carl Sagan, mm. and we're going to quote ourselves. Oh, no. Right? Oh, we're no, we're going back ourselves. to that old thing. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Those articles yeah. continue to get readers. Yeah. Well, first, we have to give listeners context. Um, so back in 2015, Brian and I were invited by my friend and colleague James Rem um, to write a series on of articles on critical thinking for educators. And so we wrote six articles, and our very first one was on, the, um, this was your idea, young man. Mm. It was, let's. you said, let's do an article on Carl Sagan's baloney detection kit. And I was like, what? Baloney detection kit? What? Yeah, I don't think I've sounded that optimistic since fifth grade, but... <laughs> It yeah, that's sort like of me. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, that's your. You probably you you probably were not that enthused. That's your higher register, yeah, just sort exactly. Of, yeah. I brought the enthused to it. <laughs> go ahead. And um and I said, oh okay. So I looked it up and I was like, this is good stuff. And then you acted like you read the whole book. Well, I did. <laughs> he did. I know. I'm teasing you. Mm-hmm. So um so today we thought we would lay 
this on you folks, Carl Sagan's baloney detection kit. It's super important if you haven't heard it, and it's one of the, one of the reasons why it matters, the baloney detection kit. Why does it matter? Is that it's a series of uh, strategies or tactics that you can use to improve your thinking that eventually you can just use without any notes. Like you could just incorporate this approach into your thinking. And that's really important, we think, for critical thinking, that we would all be able to use this in real time when we actually need it without notes. Because most of us, if we're in a position where we actually need to do some critical thinking, we don't have our critical thinking book in front of us. Right. We're not like, oh, yeah, uh, let's hold on. I need to go Google Carl, Carl Sagan's baloney, right, baloney detection kit. We need to be walking around with these tools in our head. And or at least one. Well, just one tool, even if it was just one. Well, that's right, because one high-quality tool or a couple of high-quality tools can really help us in situations where we need to think through our thinking or someone else's thinking. But have you ever had this experience where someone says something to you and you're like, wow, it seems like they are taking advantage of me. It seems like here... They're doing something shady, but I don't actually know what it is, and so I can't. I can't, can't actually. Like yeah, and so I'm just gonna. I'm gonna go. Okay, when really I feel like I ought to be saying, "Hey, don't do this shady thing," but I don't really have tools to name it, and that's one of the things we want to provide here because sometimes the thinker doing the shady thing is you. And so we definitely want to be able to think about whatever thinking is being presented to us, no matter who's presenting us. If it's our friends, if it's ourselves, if it's our authorities, mm, you can't wow. just let the authorities roll over to you. That, that's a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, Carl Sagan has an issue with the word authority, too. Authorities. I, well, he's yeah. not alone. Welcome to the show. <laughs> All right. 158 episodes on SoundCloud if you want to hear what we have to say about authority. Yeah. So first, let's say that uh, let's give a little context for the baloney detection kit. It is from his book, The Demon Haunted World, Science as a Candle in the Dark. And it was from 1996. Could you give people a nutshell uh, explanation of what the demon haunted world, What what is that book really like? So the the premise for the demon-haunted world really yes. is the idea that all of us are out here believing things without good evidence. And sometimes the demons that haunt our thinking are uh, magical creatures, magical really? Yeah, ghosts, de actual demons, angels. Sometimes they're our dead relatives. Sometimes they're the power of tradition. Sometimes they're... Authorities, biases, the authorities that we've set up as oh. being, you know, and what Sagan wants to point out, and he talks about this in his in his uh, opening pages, is that the you know human beings have a long tradition of deciding that the things that are really problematic are the things that we can't see and the things that we don't really understand and the things that we're having a tough time. Uh, making sense of, and those end up becoming our demons. And we have to be really, really thoughtful about what uh, the implications for those are for our thinking. And so he's trying to kind of unpack this and to point out that if you're thinking in these variety of ways, there are problems to your thinking that ought to be examined. So that's... 
heady and important stuff. <laughs> it, no, it is. You want to bring it down to the people? Well, you know, as you were talking, I was Occasionally, thinking, my comments are rarefied. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking, and you know, one of the things I was thinking of is about is cars. Because just before we went on the air, we were talking about your car. <laughs> and I've been having conversations with my family about whether we should sell one of our cars and get a... Uh, well, it wouldn't be a new one, but like a used one to replace it, okay. a little bit newer. All right. And one of the things I'm always attuned to in these conversations is getting facts and mm. information mm-hmm. as opposed to, mm-hmm. well, we can never afford that and prices are too high and we'll never get X amount for this. Like mm-hmm. we, we, mm-hmm. we like to just spin out assumptions, but how often do we have good, solid data underneath that? That's a really good question. Know? Well, yeah. I mean, I imagine in your household, there there probably is a lot of data that goes into the car shopping, car buying experience. Yes, with my dad. Yes. But well, but don't don't you all haven't you all picked that up as a sort of? I mean, hasn't he shared his methods with you, and you all follow them assiduously? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Tom, go uh, ahead and ask him yourselves if, yourself if you need to. I guess how I would answer that is. When we had my dad on this show mm. two years ago, mm-hmm. one of the things he said, I'll never forget this. This was a really good thing. He said, a good deal is what's in your head, mm-hmm. right? Sure. So a sure. good deal is subjective. A person has in their brain what a good deal is. So yeah. when I'm talking with my dad or when yeah. my partner and I are talking with my dad, what we, excuse me, what we are thinking or we are kind of like going for could be three distinct points of view and we're all trying to come together around them. And Mm, sometimes mm -hmm. assumptions or biases get in the way. I guess that's my point, even Mm -hmm. if my dad's making some really good, solid arguments and reasons. And so I find getting numbers really helps. That, Mm. to me, Mm -hmm. helps the conversation Mm. move forward, especially with my spouse. Okay. Because he is Mr. What's the word I'm looking for? Economist. Yes. But he's not an economist. No, but he he, he <laughs> plays one in our financial world. <laughs> okay. He's Mr. Fiscal Conservative. Okay. And so if okay. I want to make a case for something, uh-huh. investing or buying a car, you know, trading in or doing X, Y, or Z, mm-hmm. I found that I need to have good, solid numbers. I need to have done my research mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that is where I can really engage him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Otherwise, it just becomes all like, oh, that's too much, or oh, okay, right? It's just all the conversation just stays up here. Or, or is it the case that it becomes it becomes a bunch of questions that can't be answered? Exactly. Yes. But that's not theoretical. That's very practical. <laughs> well, I like to have answers. <laughs> I imagine he does too. I'm sure that's probably part of the situation. Some, well, I get you know. Anyway, I guess my my larger point is that. When to go back to to Sagan's point is as you are trying to as you are trying to check your thinking or check the thinking of those around you or get good information in this demon haunted world, one of the, our tendencies as thinkers and as human beings is to make assumptions without solid information underneath yeah. it. And how do we check the facts? Not only oh you said this about COVID, how how do I check if that's true or not? But even just making a decision in our lives, how do we make sure we're standing on solid info Absolutely. before we draw a conclusion? So if you're thinking about a new car, Brian, mm-hmm. or selling your car, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've got numbers and things you're, you're 
What? What? What's so funny? You're like, you know, don't you have like an equation going on in your head? I have such, it is such a terrible equation in my head when it comes down to thinking about those sorts of decisions. I mean, the numbers are just so not in my favor. <laughs> so that's the, oh, like, oh, I'm so, not doing anything like that. Like, so it's an equation where there's a negative number in there? Yeah, I mean, if I had to sell my car, it would be the sort of thing where I'd, I, I would give it away. Like, oh. it wouldn't be a selling oh. thing. It would be a giving, giving a giving away of the, um, of the, but, but the, um, I wanted to take a moment, yes. if I could, yes. and just say a thing about, the Demon Haunted World. Please do, because, yeah, that's a provocative title. Well, I think that it's really useful to think about that um, in the context of everybody being able to go and get the PDF. So I would encourage everybody. Oh, where? How can they get to they it? They just Google it. Demon Haunted World PDF. And they just get the actual PDF of this, of the the entire document. It's 400 pages or something. Um, and I would love to have a conversation with anyone about what the demon haunted world, you know, might really be about. One of the things that he talks about in his preface, and, yeah. it's, and, it's, and it's quite long, so I don't, you know, I was thinking maybe I might read something from it, but that's nonsense because it's so long. But there is something that he talks about, and that is the problem of pseudoscience. And it comes up in the text as well. You know, people think that what they're doing is a scientific inquiry. And in fact, it is something other than that. It it lacks some kind of rigor. It lacks some sort of logic. It lacks um, any kind of foundation. And again, for us at the Critical Thinking Show, we think that critical thinking, the critical part, has to do with criteria. Yes. And so you should have some criteria, and science has that. But different disciplines have a different tolerance for criteria. Mm, good point. And so it's just important that you have a sense of what that is for what you're thinking about. We're not trying to say that science is the only thing that matters, or philosophy is the only thing that matters, or math, or car knowledge. I don't know what these things are. I mean, it doesn't matter which discipline. We're not saying that one discipline is the only one that matters and the other ones are absolutely, you know, useless in this regard. What we are saying is that there are a number of important ways to think about the thinking and that we should be explicit about what the thinking is that we're doing and what the evidence means in this context. Mm. Great point. Very good point. And here's how we could maybe illustrate your point. Could we use, let's go through the steps of the baloney detection kit that Carl Sagan recommends that you use. And when he says baloney detection kit, what he's mm. saying is these are questions that help you detect BS or baloney. Baloney, as he calls it, right? Mm -hmm. And so. Let's kind of use, let's go through his steps. And I'm wondering if we could use like an example, like maybe COVID, because, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of, that seems unfortunately, important. back in the headlines, it was out, the headlines for about five minutes, but now it's I back. thought we were out of our COVID uh, yeah. mission, but right. we're not. Like everybody yeah. was like, oh, our COVID year. Guess what? Buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> we're in, still in another COVID year, mm -hmm. sadly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, all right. So let's go through the steps of the kit. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So the first one he says, wherever possible, there must be independent confirmation of the facts. Okay. And independent so, confirmation. Right. So if you are saying to yourself, how do I check this information? How do I know that X and Y is true? What you want to do is get that independent confirmation of the facts. And here are some questions that Brian and I developed as part of this article that Uh-oh. we wrote on Carl Sagan. See what you think. We developed these a while ago. Still think tell me if these are good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So here's the questions you ask yourself. Do I know enough about a topic to be able to fairly evaluate this claim? Mm. So again, if we insert, let's insert COVID for our topic. Okay. What evidence do I have about this statement about COVID? Have I identified a source of authority on this topic that I believe will provide objective, legitimate judgments for me? So this reminds me of all of the instances where people are against the government line about COVID. Like they say that I should wear a mask. I'm not wearing a mask. Why? Because they say it. They say I should get a vaccine. I'm not getting a vaccine. Why? Because they say it. Well, that's the thing is that is that do I know the question, the critical thinking wants to ask. And one of the frustrating positions about this is do do I feel like I know enough to stand against the authorities? Mm. If my position is simply that authorities are always unreliable and therefore I should always stand against the authorities, then I suppose that the uh, the position that values intellectual integrity would probably end up like, I don't know, committing treason or something, right? I mean, I suppose there's a, you know, if you're always standing against the authorities, there are implications, right? But I wonder with this COVID stuff, for me to stand against the authorities on this issue from a thinking point of view, it's not really political. It's epidemiological and immunological. And so do I have enough biological knowledge or anatomical knowledge or medical knowledge? Right. Or public health Or public health knowledge to be able to stand against this in a criteria-based way. I can definitely stand up like a dumb stump and say, ah, you can't get, you can't make me move or whatever it is. Right. But that's not criteria-based. That's just stubbornness. Okay. So then why is one of the other steps from Sagan explain this to me? Mm. I'm, I'm asking this as a devil's advocate here. He says one of the other steps in the baloney detection kit is arguments from authority carry little weight. In science, there are no quote-unquote authorities. Right. Okay? Right, right. So if you're telling me the CDC is now telling me I need to mask up again in certain contexts. Right, right. But Carl Sagan's telling me that arguments from authority carry – how do I – what does he mean by that? Arguments from authority carry little weight. What is he meaning? Well, he just means that we're supposed to think about not only the authority itself and whether what it's saying is useful. We're also supposed to think about the fact of whether the authority is the sort of thing that we should be actually following at all. Okay, so it's more about authorities carry little weight just because they're in authority. Oh, yeah. It's not just about, well... So-and-so is, you know, is is in charge and telling me this. It's right. rather us questioning well, where they wh- what information are they basing their directives on? Absolutely. Right? Well, yeah. And the thing is, it's really unfortunate, frankly, from the point of view of thinking about my thinking for every single one of us. It's really unfortunate because I don't know what the hell the authority kn- the authority knows. 
And I don't know where the authorities got their information. And I don't have it. In many cases, I don't have the ability to check. So what I have to be able to do is to somehow vet ahead of time these authorities. Okay. So let's use the CDC, for example, because mm. that can be a punching bag for some. For many for of us. Yeah, right? for many folks so it is. So yeah. how does someone go, you know what, how do I check on the quality of thinking of the folks at the CDC? How, how would they go about doing that, Brian? How do I check on their... What do I do? Well, we can't. I don't think. What? We I don't can't? think we can. I mean, what I think. What Carl Sagan say? Well, I mean, the problem is with authorities, we have to find counter authorities. You yeah. know, we have to we have to maybe imagine what it would take for some kind of authority to to actually stand above all the rest. And I'm not sure mm-hmm. that we can. I'm not sure that we can know that for something like the CDC. I mean, I'm not sure that I mean, I as a person just on the street, I'm not sure that I can know really that the CDC is any better than any other authorities. But what I can do is that thing that we talk about a lot here yeah. when there are claims to authority in print, mm-hmm. we can do lateral reading yes. and we can click back through the sources and we yes. can see, well, you know, CDC says this. What do the local health departments say? What are the what are the other major medical associations right. say? What's the data behind? What, maybe where? I can look at the data itself. Even I mean, the problem is I don't know if I know how to interpret it well that is that exactly yeah i mean but, that's the yeah. thing if you're like wow i'm not a special i'm not a data scientist how do i i'm so far from a data do scientist I, right exactly yeah, yeah. so so um so let's look at some other things in the in the kit to see if they can illuminate this okay yeah for sure okay so All here's right. another step in the kit he All says right. encourage sub- substantive debate on the evidence by knowledgeable proponents of all points of view Wow, all points of view. That's a, yeah. That's well, a that's I mean, that's fair-mindedness. That's examining multiple yeah. points of view. That's consistent with critical thinking. Okay, but if I'm a COVID questioner, how do I encourage substantive debate on the evidence by knowledgeable proponents of all points? How do I? What does? What would that look like when it comes to COVID, which well, is you know a fast-moving thing? It's really hard because we often say we want to listen to all voices. But there are a bunch of voices, as we all know, we may not know yeah. which voices they are, but we know that there are a lot of voices that are out there trying to confuse the issue. Yes. There when it are. comes to COVID. Yeah. So I don't know if, I don't really know if COVID's a good, is COVID a good topic for this detection kit? Maybe, maybe way we think about it is when someone makes a claim about COVID. Then, well, then we go like, okay, okay, let's follow the steps around that claim. Yeah, I think okay? that that's right. That's Does that fair. Sound yep. fair. Yep, yep. Okay, so um, one of the things he says in the kit is try not to get overly attached to a hypothesis just because it's yours, which relates to this idea of being perpetually skeptical. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, how would what would that look like in, again, us? Uh, everyday folks thinking about COVID, trying not to get overly attached to a hypothesis because just because it's ours. I mean, I you think know, a belief about COVID. I think it just means that I need to be willing to change my point of view when I get what I consider to be better evidence. I shouldn't have these sort of sacred points of view that I'm going to defend at all costs, no matter what people say. Okay. So, for you know. example... That also is, you know, in May, 
the CDC said, oh, you don't you can you can relax the mask wearing Mm -hmm. mostly. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. now it's like, oh, guess what? Back to masks. Back to masks. Yep. And so we try not to get too uh, or cleaning the whole thing with cleaning. Right. Notice they're not recommending this kind of cleaning that they did even a year ago. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. we we have to not get too attached and understand that. Not just with COVID, but the world is constantly in flux and we're getting new information all the time. Well, that's what old Heraclitus said back in the... Heraclitus, Gee, really? what when was that what Heraclitus? It must, have been, it must have been the 8th century BCE. What did he have to say? He said, you never step into the same river oh, twice gee. because the waters are flowing onward. Did he really say that? Well, I mean, that's what he apparently wrote down, according to whatever we have left of the fragments of Heraclitus, which means that somebody, you know, a mere 1,500 years ago could have just faked it, could have just inserted some other text and passed it on, and we really would okay. never know. But as far as we know... Yeah? Yeah. Her- okay. Heraclitus. So the world is like a stream information, knowledge, all the, you know, things evolving, and we have to constantly be open to new ways of thinking as new information emerges. It's a relatively important high-level critical thinking point, yeah, which is, is which is to say that if the world it, – it, for Heraclitus, it's a question of what's really going on in reality. And the question is this. Yes. When you get to the system, whatever in the world that is, the system that creates everything you see here. Right. Right. All, all of the stuff, all of the everything being born and dying, the planet existing, all of the scientific truth, all of it. No, yeah. everything, everything. All, yeah. When you get to that system at its core, whether it's divine or not, mm-hmm. whether there's a dude monitoring all the details or not, whether there's something after this or not, whatever the system is at its most basic, is it constantly changing? Or is it always stable? And you, and it's one or the other for Heraclitus. It's either, and you might say, "Oh, well, you can have you can have stability and change." Stop that. So this is this is pre-science. <laughs> this is pre-science, right? Every single seventh grader out there is a better scientist than Heraclitus and all really? of his buddies. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So what we have to figure out, what we have to ask ourselves is, metaphysically speaking, is the core of reality a thing that constantly changes, such that if there are any rules, they are in line with this constant flux or or mm. a constant changing such that th- you can't really rely upon the stability of a particular thing because of that change? Or is it the case that the foundation of the universe only looks like it's changing, but really behind the music, you have a very wow. static... So it's one or the other. That's that. That was his bag. That was his contribution. Was the the sort of that dis- that kind of question? Yeah, and it was. I mean, he had people who disagreed with him. Shout out to Parmenides from back in the day. But <laughs> if any of his folks are listening here, but 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 Heraclitus was the proponent for this business about flux. And if you and if you like um, the Back to the Future movies, you're welcome 
flux capacitor. <laughs> that is the stuff, right? Time is malleable, right? If it's a flux capacitor, we're able to move around in that because there's constant change, whereas some sort of stasis capacitor, that's crap. That just keeps us in the present moment. We can't move through time with that. Well, I got to say that given... Are you questioning my fictional physics? No, I, oh. I'm, really, I'm really trying to engage with this idea, but it seems like with climate change and, you know, significant, you know, shifts mm-hmm. in the world mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. are part of and mm-hmm. contributing to, mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems like the constant change thing is, hmm, is it's pretty good. That's that sounds sounds right to me. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I there's a there's an issue, of course. You know, the existentialists are interested in this idea, right? And so the question is, do, is there something going on such that that any changes that occur are a function of me making them and other people I making see. them and human activity making right. them, or or I'm just the is there just a the background wheel? system? Yeah, that's happening, and I just plug into it, right? And I mean, so the problem is if you don't if, if you think that maybe we can all affect the system such that the system can't overwhelm my own maybe poor decision-making or something like that, such that I, I end up having a world perhaps without larger meaning. Wow. Which isn't necessarily bad. You but. can see, folks, that people in Brian's cl- in philosophy classes have probably regular existential crises. If we don't have the existential crisis now... We're just going to save it till later. <laughs> and have it alongside our midlife crisis. Yeah, maybe we can just have it in the last few moments before we die, and we can have a much more short. engaged yeah. experience with like that. Really it'll, it'll seem to re- Yeah, but it'll seem to really matter if we have it then, right? So maybe better maybe better to play for lower stakes and do it in uh, you know Philosophy 100 or whatever. Okay, well, let's try on one of Carl Sagan's... Turtlenecks! Okay, to try oh. to understand this question, all right? So turtlenecks, he, man, he loves his turtlenecks. Mm. Okay, he mentions Occam's, Occam's razor. Yeah. If there are two hypotheses that explain the data equally well, choose the simpler. All right, Occam. Why is it called Occam's razor? What, what's that about? Why is that William called that? of Occam. Really? Yeah. Just some dude. Medieval medieval philosopher really? during scholasticism. So this is after the fall of Rome, fifth century of yeah. uh, the Common Era. Um, you know, before the Renaissance. So thirteen hundred is usually when we mark something like that. So, so in there you get. And I mean, he was toward the earlier side, seventh century or something like that. William of Ockham, and he was a. He was a dude who came up with this principle. Okay. Because there, because there was a bunch of nonsense out there, overly complicated nonsense. Why does this happen? It's that sort of thing about, have you heard the joke about Jesus and somebody else go golfing? No. And Jesus hits this ridiculous shot that goes way out of the way, but it goes through these incredible bouncing off cars and a bird picks it up and carries it and drops it and a frog right. gets it and hops yeah. it toward the hole. All this kind of stuff. If you didn't see any of that, you might say, wow, that happened through a miracle kind of thing. But the problem is, if you see it happening, you can say, oh, I see the cause and effect, right? But if you then assign an extra reason to it, it's not just what I see. It's actually that Jesus was causing it to move around, not just that these things happened. Just happened 
Right, happen. right. It's it's that when you add that extra layer of causation on top of it that it was intended right. or that it was way more complicated, really, again, way more complicated usually for metaphysical reasons in, in Occam's conception, um, way more uh, complicated than you would need to explain it. You can probably just dispense with the complexities and just explain it in the simplest way. Because if it actually works in the simplest way, if you say, ah, I, I put the coffee in the coffee maker and I put the water in and I turned it on and then I prayed and God made the coffee. I mean, do you have to have the extra layer? I'm not saying God didn't make the coffee. Please feel free to write into Critical Thinking for Everyone on Facebook if you want to discuss this with me. I'm not saying that God didn't make the coffee. I'm just saying that we don't, we don't need that. Like the boiling water itself right. with the coffee is enough. Okay, so, all right. So Occam's razor, this whole idea that if we're two hypotheses that explain the data equally well, choose the simpler. You just gave an example of the coffee maker. Can you come up with another example, though, that might reflect how we tend to think in our everyday life where we might make something more complicated than... It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so what happened? Why did my garbage can move? It was the government. The government came and moved my garbage can. They're looking at my garbage can. They are they're tracking all of us and where we put our garbage cans. They're like in over here, they're trying to watch us so we can have one of these social standing formulas like they do in other countries, right, that help people um, gain value and see what their rates are going to be on their car loans and stuff based upon how well they comply to the social rules. So they're coming and seeing if we put it in the very right spot. And if we don't, then we get demerits. And so that's why that's why my garbage can is here, as opposed to maybe the guys who picked it up and dumped it in the truck were just careless. Nope. This is the government came and put it here to let us know without doing something wasteful like sending a letter to let us know this is the right spot for it. Okay. Right. So it's funny you should mention that. Because that happened at your house? No, but oh. remember the conversation at the meeting we were at last night in the neighborhood? Uh, I remember parts of it. I was <laughs> a little distracted from time to time. And remember <laughs> that we had this conversation about why did some people get their new recycling bin from the city and other people didn't? Mm-hmm. And it was people were like, hey, wait a minute. I didn't get mine. I didn't get mine either. I got mine. It was like, what's going on? And then someone says, hey, remember they were delivering them and there was an accident and a bunch of them broke? Oh, right. And yeah. so then not everybody got them. Right. And if you would have suggested something like that happened and not had any evidence for it, Occam's razor would want to cut it down to something simpler like the city just forgot or something like that. Or they ran out before they got to yep, the street. something like that. Yep. And then, yep. okay, so. So it's not Occam's, always perfect. Right, right. Occam's razor can help us not kind of spin out explanations and yep. be overly complicated when sometimes the simplest thing is. So our baloney detection kit is like, really? You think uh, the vaccination is the government trying to put a chip in you? Right. Really? Right. I mean, mm. that, that that would be an extra layer of complexity for something like that. Yeah. And and there are other ways to do it. You look up in the night sky, you say, oh, what are those flashing lights up there? Those must be <laughs> extraterrestrials. Well, I mean, there, there are perhaps, you know, 
Earth-based reasons for those flashing yes. lights, which would make a lot more sense. Okay. Yeah. So here's another step in the kit. Here's another tool from the kit. Okay. 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 If there is a chain of argument, every link in the chain must work. Yeah. Well, yeah. What does he mean by that? Happen. Well, that means you can't leave anything out. That means you can't jump steps. Okay. There's this great cartoon, I'm sure you've seen it, where it has um, two guys standing at a chalkboard and one of them has the one of them um, oh, has okay. this huge equation. Right. And then it says a miracle occurs in the second step and then in the third step it, it concludes Solves, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And the colleague is standing there saying, I think you need to be more explicit in step two. <laughs> right. It's that because if logic is going to be persuasive, we have to go step by step in the logic such that another mind can be persuaded by our step-by-step approach. Okay. So this is a wonderful tool because one of the recommendations yeah. when somebody is trying to bamboozle you, and that's the word that Carl Sagan yep. uses, yep. is yep. – um, bamboozle. Yep. One of the strategies that I read about is instead of saying like, let's say, Brian, you're trying to convince me about something about COVID. Instead of me saying, why do you believe that? I say, how did you come to that conclusion? Mm. Walk me through your thinking. Like, in other words, you're asking the other person to show their work, show their steps, show their thinking. Right. And they said just that shift from why do you think that to how did you come come to that conclusion? Right. How how did you get information to, you know, how what how did you find information to support that? Just that question can really help peel back you know the, the what's behind the curtain. Oh, yeah. Anything. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, people can choose not to answer the question. So I say, how did you come to that, Brian? How did you come to that conclusion? What are you going to say? None of your business. <laughs> wow. I mean, that I is, mean, this show is my business. That Your can, thinking is my business. <laughs> but we can ask ourselves, like, like how persuasive is that going to be? Right. Because people do that. They say, oh, it's none of your business. And do it's people like, do that to you? Well, not so much anymore, but I've certainly heard it in the past. I've heard right. people say, well, you know. Never that, mind, it's not your business. Yeah, that's not your business how I arrived at that conclusion. It's like, <laughs> but I'm sorry. I'm not, I, maybe, maybe not. I just want to <laughs> know how you expect me to agree with you. Because I honestly don't have any idea how I can agree with you right now. So if you could just lay it out for me, but that's not my business. See, that's a real barrier. And I think that I think that parents do that sometimes with their mm. kids. I think that maybe bosses are in a position to do that. Landlords, the police. <laughs> I just think there are a lot of authority-based groups that are in a position to just shut down your questioning. And if you say, what is that based on? And they or, say, move along, citizen. And you say, oh, come on, yeah, man. Yeah, but that, you know, you got to be careful which bear you're poking there, right? Because well, I the guess. police can really make that. Well, that's the problem, right? Is that, is that, but that's the police know that. And so they can say, we don't, they can say something dismissive like that. Right. Yeah. That you should just you should just move along and mind your own business in order to dismiss the fact that they are the ones who are maybe owing an apology or not an apology. Excuse me. They're the ones who are owing an, an explanation. explanation. Yeah. Right. OK. So if we care about criteria and I mean. Yeah. So so just one of the then I would say in a nutshell, this strategy is about slowing down and asking people to share their thinking. 
where tell me more. because you know the other advantage of that yeah. is it checks your assumptions as a thinker right you're like hey how did you come to that conclusion and let's say somebody tells you you're like oh they have new information i didn't know that it che- it also helps you slow down check your own assumptions you're about to leap to oh yeah or that you're oh yeah using. yeah absolutely yeah. i think that it's absolutely useful for for us to check our own assumptions and to go back into the criteria that we're using and um if we have to explain it to somebody else that's a just a great opportunity we, we shouldn't dodge those we should embrace those that's hard though that's tough well especially if we're time. well you're the boss so you know <laughs> Especially if you're an authority figure, maybe you don't want to do that. It's yeah. operationally slow. I think at work, um, better. I think that's more of a common conversation. But I just think in social circles or in other settings, it can be really hard to ask people to slow down because people feel like you know you should just you know why should I have to justify my thing? I just feel like that's a harder move socially to huh. ask people to justify their thinking. Well, what happens? I mean, I don't know what happens in a social situation if we ask people to do it and they don't dig it. Do they? Do they just ignore us or do they do something more aggressive than that? Mm, that's a good question. Let's both try that in our social lives and report back. So far, they just engage with me, but that's because I insist upon it. Yeah. Well, they're used to you, Mr. Falls. Yeah. I need to go into like uh, Wendy's or something and see how this goes. Can how I get, do you think can I get a little more go? information? Well, remember when I had that conversation with the clerk at a store last year when mm. I said why I didn't want a plastic bag because it takes a thousand years yeah, for it yeah. to break down in the landfill and then it turns into microplastics? Remember yeah. what they said? What did they say? And I, so I shared my thinking and yeah. he said, you know what? Everything's going to hell in a handbasket anyway. <laughs> really? We're all going to really? Mars. Forget it. Yeah, yeah it's I like, you now. know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's all, it's everything's yeah. turning to, to crap anyway. Like, what is this? What is me not using this plastic bag? I'm like, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, in, I'm excited to, to see what the uh, responses will be this time around for our, for our experiment. We encourage you also to experiment and to um, reach out to us yeah. with your findings at Critical Thinking for Everyone uh, on Facebook. I, I want folks, listeners, I want you to start asking people, just, you know, how would you come to that conclusion and see what people say? Yeah, they might yeah. lay it out for you. They might give you the finger. They, they might, might walk away. They might actually tell you. And, that, that'd be you neat. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, last tool in the kit here is yeah. um, now this one is so sciencey. I'm I'm trying I'm struggling to think about how this could apply in my sciencey. everyday life. Okay. Ask yeah. whether the hypothesis can, at least in principle, be falsified. In other words, shown to be false yeah. by some un, yeah. some unambiguous test. Yeah, in other yeah. words, is it testable? Can others yeah. duplicate the experiment and get the same result? Yeah. How how does that help me in the world? So this is how it helps in the world. If something looks too good to be true, you can imagine to yourself, well, how could that be too good to be true? Like, how could someone have actually created a situation where I'm getting taken advantage of? Actually, not only does this look too good to be true, it actually is. How would that happen? And then you follow up on that. Okay, so That's it. is it too good to be true? So then I really investigate. I really investigate, or if it's so crazy, like to my thinking, it's just so crazy. Like like there's food, but there's zero calories. But they're calling it food, but it's zero calories. <laughs> it has ingredients on a bag, and they're charging money, but it's zero calories. I got to walk away. Really? I got to go get more information because food has calories. If this is food, 
It has calories. I don't understand how it's zero calories. I'm looking at the bag. I'm reading the thing. I'm Googling the ingredients. I can't figure it out. It's n- okay. I got to I gotta gotta not decide. I got to just reserve judgment until I can figure wow. this out because it seems too crazy for me. But... If really? I can find if I can find a way that it works, then 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 that's it until better evidence comes okay, along. Okay, I'm about to blow your mind. Blow my mind. Kale chips, three calories each. Yeah, well, yeah? you know, I'll tell you yeah? what, a kale leaf is a pretty small thing. Yeah. I'm not sure, especially when you break them down into those tiny chips, because I'm thinking of a whole See? kale leaf. It's like as big as my arm, and they break it into about forty of those chips. I think and then a you whole put big some leaf season. might be three calories. I mean, sure, because yeah. it's one leaf. I mean, lettuce is in the same category. Yeah. That doesn't. That doesn't. Yeah, it's that's not, not unbelievable. Because, but I'm just saying, it's it's the stuff where because zero because food has calories. So if we're yeah. again, all I'm saying is if you have this um, understanding about things, if you have this sort of logic about things that food yeah. has calories, calories, then it would be awfully hard for you to accept. Perhaps a zero calorie food because it's not food because okay. it has because food has calories. Okay, I have to bring this up. Last year, I was Uh-oh. so excited and I told you, I said, Brian, I've been using the salad dressing, which is zero <laughs> calories. And I remember you said, I texted you and you said something like, "Well, that's not really food" or something <laughs> like that. Sure and I was like, I was I'm like, sure I, I was like, oh, he's right. What is this? Are stuff? you still using it? No. Was it was it food? Um, it was. <laughs> <laughs> not strictly. <laughs> anyway, so I'm not using it anymore, mm. but it served its function. Yeah. To, it, which is to let me pour it all over my salad yeah. and not have to think about it. Yeah, I guess if what you're trying to do is avoid the salad flavor, it doesn't have to be food for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'll never forget you were like, yeah, zero calorie. You're like, eh, <laughs> mm, I'm a little skeptical. Well, that, and that's because I have a certain approach to food. You know, just from my own background that says this is what this is what I think food is. I mean, there are certain criteria where I can't get behind that. Mm. And so that means Mm -hmm. that I'm going to be challenged whenever there's a claim of zero calories for food. I'm just going to be challenged, especially if it's something like that, because like some of the most calorie dense stuff we ever put in our body is oil. And that's what's in salad dressing for the most part. And it's like Mm. you're talking about zero calorie oil. What is that like motor oil? Like what? What? What are you doing with Chemicals. that? Chemicals. What is that? Ugh. Well, not olive oil. Uh, I wonder what Carl Sagan would have to say about that. He'd say bon appetit. He would say, in the demon haunted world, don't let salad dressing be in one the of the demon, demons. Yeah, in the demon haunted world, that. there are no calories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope the baloney detection kit in some way, shape, or form will help our listeners. I hope so, too. Live a life without demons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, while we're trying to think about what's the best way to do our thinking and what are the tools we might use for analysis, for evaluation of our thinking, for creating good intellectual habits, we might look at the baloney detection kit. It might be a good bunch of habits for us to create and and inculcate. And if you want to know more, you can Google baloney detection kit. Or even the Demon Haunted World PDF. You'll get the whole book. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for that reminder. That, you know, you should be looking for uh, thinkers to help you supporting support your thinking like yeah. as you're going forward yeah and you can yeah. watch him on youtube you can check out his turtleneck wardrobe and, <laughs> and just marvel at his 
wonderful, you know, signature look. And just remember that kind of thinking and turtlenecks are for everyone. <laughs> Even you.